You're listening to Bonus Points, the official podcast of Mr. Astle's theology class. Join us as we put out into the deep and explore the world of theology and beyond. Today, we're talking about saints who weren't always saints. Let's begin. Well, welcome to episode 37 of Bonus Points. I'm happy to say, now that we're a few weeks in, the school year is off to a great start. A while back, we had a series on the communion of saints. We talked about why we have a devotion to the saints and how this devotion is different from the worship we owe to God alone. We also talked about how a saint becomes a saint, what the heck a relic is, and we looked at some strange patron saints. I think I had said back then that the series was mostly concluded, but that we might return to it from time to time. Well, here we are. If you haven't listened to the other episodes of our Saint series, that's okay. Usually when I make a series, the episodes are still independent enough that they make sense on their own. That said, if you do want to go back and listen to our other episodes about the Saints, check out episodes 12, 13, 18, and 27. Before we talk about today's topic, I want to thank you for listening. Making this show is a lot of fun, so I'd probably do it even if I knew that nobody listened to it. But it's even better knowing that there are so many who enjoy tuning in and hearing about something new and interesting. If you'd like to keep that going, remember to subscribe wherever you listen so that you don't miss an episode, and share this episode with a friend. You can also visit our website, bonuspointspodcast.com, for show notes and more. So, today I want to tell you about a few saints that all have something in common. They all had a past. They all lived lifestyles that were very far from the kind of life that the gospel calls us to live, and then they experienced a dramatic conversion. I think that this is an important category of saints because they are reminders for us of the power of God's mercy. They're reminders that no matter where you've been or what you've done, there is hope for you yet. So sometimes we fall into this way of thinking without even realizing it, because we know we aren't perfect, and so we think that becoming a saint is outside of our reach. We know in our heads that God forgives us, but sometimes we can even step out of the confessional after receiving absolution and still feel like we're not good enough. For many of us, we think of the saints as these perfect people. We picture them as like superheroes who are plopped down among us mere mortals from time to time. But if you aren't born one, you aren't one. This is so far from how it goes. The saints are people just like us. They have their own personalities, their interests, their temperaments, and they have their struggles. They were tempted. And except for Our Lady, they fell from time to time. So, heroic virtue, that defining characteristic of a saint is not ontological, which means it's not something that is innate to your character and unchangeable. Heroic virtue is all about letting the Holy Spirit act in you. It's about conquering your vices one day at a time and imitating Christ in everything. Now, some saints, praise God, did live virtuous lives from their earliest days. I'm thinking of saints like Padre Pio or St. Therese. Um, Padre Pio started using a rock as a pillow as a form of penance when he was five years old. When St. Therese was being canonized, someone during that process said that he doubted whether she had ever committed a mortal sin. And we thank God for these saints, these examples of lifelong discipleship. They're good role models, but for many of us, they can feel 
distant and cut off. That's why I love the Saints we're talking about today and why I hope you will too. Without further ado, let's begin with our first saint, St. Augustine of Hippo. When it comes to saints who had a past, he is the best-known example. Even those who don't know much else about him know that he was a prodigal who came home. So, St. Augustine was born in 354 in Tagaste in North Africa. His father, Patricius, was a pagan. His mother, St. Monica, was a Christian. If this is sounding familiar so far, it's because we featured St. Monica back in episode 27 when we talked about weird patron saints because she is the patron saint of disappointed mothers. Anyway, Patricius allowed Monica to teach their children the faith, but he would not allow them to be baptized. So even though Augustine would only be baptized after his conversion later in life, he was familiar with Christianity from his youth. Growing up, Augustine did very well in school. So well, in fact, that his father decided to send him to the big city of Carthage so that he could become a teacher. The problem was, Augustine's family wasn't rich, and so it took some time to get the money together for the trip. This meant that Augustine was 16 years old, with nothing to do and all day to do it, and, of course, he ends up getting in trouble. It was around this time that Augustine began to fall away from the faith, and in his autobiography, The Confessions, he talked about how he would try to pray, but he never felt like he was being heard, so he gave up. I think that's a common temptation for a lot of us, right? We try to pray, but if we don't feel like we're being heard, it's tempting to give up. Anyway, when Augustine gets to Carthage, all of this spirals even deeper, because now he's surrounded by all the luxuries and temptations of the city. Now, he does really well as a teacher, and he knows it, and so his ego just gets out of control. During this time in Carthage, he also uh, has a son with his girlfriend. He also, (laughs) to keep piling stuff on here, he falls in with a group of Gnostic heretics called the Manichees of the Manichaeans. Now, some of their beliefs seem Christian on the surface, but this philosophy is very far from what Augustine had grown up with. Eventually, he converted. Uh, Now, there are many factors at play here, but we can thank most especially the prayers of his mother, St. Monica, and the conversations he had with the Bishop of Milan, St. Ambrose. Augustine was baptized and later ordained a priest and bishop, and became one of the greatest philosophers and theologians in the church's history. In fact, Aquinas quotes Augustine over 3,000 times in the Summa. In his autobiography, um, against the Confessions, Augustine laments the time that he had spent wandering from the Lord. In my opinion, it's one of the most powerful and poetic passages ever written. So, I I would read the whole thing to you if um, this was one of those three-hour podcasts, but it's not, so I won't. Instead, I just want to say my favorite, the first line from that section. He says, Late have I loved you, O beauty ever ancient, ever new. Late have I loved you. This really, this is the story for all of the saints we're talking about today, and it's the story for all of us as well. Late have I loved you. Our next story begins with a Dominican priest named Peter of Verona, or St. Peter the Martyr. Yes, that is a spoiler about his life. Peter was a well-known preacher, and he especially fought against the heresy of Catharism. So because of this, some of the Cathars didn't like him. So they hired an assassin to get rid of him. The assassin, a guy named Carino, along with his assistant, waited along the road one day as Peter and his companion were going home to Milan. 
Carino took them by surprise, killed Peter, and mortally wounded his companion. With his dying breath, Peter wrote on a stone in his own blood the word Credo, I believe, a final profession of faith before he died. But wait, you might say, Peter didn't seem to have much of a wayward history. Why is he being mentioned on an episode about saints with a past? Well, that's because this isn't a story about St. Peter the Martyr. It's a story of his assassin, Carino. You see, after he killed the priest who had come to be known as St. Peter the Martyr, Carino was arrested and taken to Milan. Fortunately for him, the mayor was sympathetic to the Cathars, and so he arranged for Carino's escape. Carino decided to head to Rome, hoping to get a pardon from the Pope. Along the way, he fell ill at a town called Forli, and he ended up in the hospital. Now, here's the providence of God. It just so happened that the Dominicans had just moved into the area, and several of them spent a lot of time at the hospital visiting with the patients. Carino was overcome with guilt, and he experienced this incredible conversion. And he confessed to the local Dominican prior and asked to join the Dominicans as a lay brother after he recovered. When he eventually died, the entire city mourned him as a dramatic conversion and an incredible example of holiness. Even though he had requested that the friars bury him in the graveyard for criminals, the townspeople insisted that he be buried in a side chapel of the Dominican church. And Carino is now known as Blessed Carino because he's been beatified. He is now just one step away from being a canonized saint. Now, I love this story for a lot of reasons, but one of them is because it's a great illustration of the fact that no story is too weird to be part of the history of hagiography. I mean, how cool is it that we have both a martyr and his murderer who are saints, or I guess a saint and a blessed? This also reminds me of St. Maria Goretti, who was murdered at just 12 years old, after she appeared in a dream to her murderer, a neighbor boy named Alessandro, he also had an incredible conversion, and he was even in St. Peter's Square the day she was canonized. Our next saint is St. Moses the Ethiopian, also called St. Moses the Black or St. Moses the Strong. While he does share a name with the Moses of the Old Testament, and we do traditionally venerate Mo that Moses as a saint, these are two different people. This guy, the guy we're talking about, lived in Ethiopia in the 4th century AD. As a young man, he was a slave of a government official, but was fired for a suspected murder. After that, he joined a group of renegade desert thieves, and because he was bigger and stronger than all of them, he soon became their leader. When I say group of renegade desert thieves, I don't mean a group of bullies in a high school movie. I mean, he was the general of an army of 70 hardcore thieves and murderers. Eventually, his name became feared enough that the authorities started increasing the pressure. Hoping to avoid arrest, Moses went to hide with the monks in the desert. These were some of the first monks, a group now known as the Desert Fathers. If you are one of my students and you've taken the church course, uh, you should remember these guys from when we talked about the origins of monasticism. Anyway, seeing these monks and the way they lived had a profound effect on Moses. He experienced a deep conversion, and though the Abba, the, the abbot, was originally suspicious of how genuine he was, Moses became a monk. Now, this was before uh, monasteries really existed as single buildings. Uh, so at this time, the monks each had a cell, this isolated hut, and they would spend most of their time there. 
you know, now we think monastery, we think of, uh, you know, all the cells are in the same building along with the chapel, the refectory, all those other places. But at this time, the monk's living quarters were separate and, and he was kind of a hermit except for the times they came together. So one day, Moses was in his cell and four of his former gang comrades showed up to rob him. He didn't think this was very nice because, you know, thou shalt not steal. So he overpowered them and tied them all up. He also thought uh, thou shalt not kill was kind of important. So he didn't know what to do with them at this point. He's already overpowered them and tied them up. He doesn't think it would be very Christian of him to murder them. So he took the four of them to the abbot. And the abbot says, you are correct. You should not kill them. In fact, you should let them go. The four thieves, the four attempted thieves, were so impressed by both the mercy of Moses and his abbot that they also experienced conversions and eventually all four of them became monks. St. Moses the Ethiopian died at age 75 when the monks were attacked by invaders. He forbade the other monks to fight them, but rather encouraged them to escape while they could. He and seven other monks remained, greeted the invaders with open arms, and were struck down. The last saint we're looking at today is Blessed Bartolo Longo. He was born in southern Italy in 1841, and as you'd expect for that place and time, he was raised Catholic by devout parents. His mother died when he was 10, and in his own words, this is what began his movement away from the church. However, Bartolo really started to drift away when he went to college in Naples to study law. Because some of his new college buddies happened to have a pagan worldview, which was becoming very popular in the mid-1800s. They introduced him to their specific brand of paganism, and they ordained him as a priest in their pagan group. Alright, what group was that? Satanism. Yep, Bartolo became a satanic priest. Now, when we talk about Satanism nowadays, we're usually talking about Levian Satanism, which is the most popular satanic movement in the U.S. today. They're the ones who usually make the news for sponsoring absurd projects to mock religion. Levian Satanism began in the mid-20th century, and it was started by a guy named Anton LaVey, which is why it's called that. And it's important to note that their official position is that they do not believe that Satan exists. These are not the kind of Satanists that were around in Bartolo's time. They were Luciferian Satanists who, they're still around today by the way, they definitely believed in the devil and worshipped him. At this point, before we go any further, I want to give a disclaimer. Both types of Satanism are evil, period. Anyway, as a newly ordained Satanic priest, Bartolo participated in seances and orgies and he mocked Christianity wherever he could. He learned magic, quote-unquote, and used fortune-telling. Basically, every occult practice you can think of was something that he was going to be doing regularly. He very deliberately went as far as he could away from Catholicism, and he did his best to destroy everything that God had ever done in his life thus far. Now, here's the thing about demons. They may make some big promises, but they're always a bad deal. And so the deeper Bartolo got, the more depressed he became. The more involved he became with the occult, the more he saw this, this cloud falling over his life. He was troubled by demonic visions and nightmares, and he nearly fell into despair. His conversion began when, 
In the midst of one of these demonic obsessions, he saw his late father shouting, return to Christ. He sought out the advice of a priest, made his confession, and returned to the church. Now, we didn't have much time to talk about it today, but there are so many other just weird stories associated with him. So make sure you check out the show notes for some resources about Blessed Bartolo Longo. So that brings us to the end of our saints for today. Like I said at the top of the show, I think that it is important to learn about these kinds of saints because they remind us of the richness of God's mercy. Even if you're listening to this and you're not a murderer or a satanic priest, you still struggle to live a life of virtue. You struggle, you fall, you get back up. Saints like this, saints like the ones we've talked about today, remind us that nobody is ever too far gone. So that's my encouragement for you today. These saints show us that no matter where you've been or what you've done, no matter how far you've wandered as a prodigal, there's always room for you at the table. Come on home. So what resources can I offer you today if you'd like to learn more? Well, I'm going to have a link to a to Catholic Encyclopedia's article on St. Augustine. And this is a resource that I've linked to on multiple episodes, so I should probably explain what it is. Back in the early 20th century, uh, a Catholic Encyclopedia was published, and it has been made available online for free. And that's the, those are the links that I post. Um, New Advent, as well as Catholic Answers, both host the entire Catholic Encyclopedia online. So while some of the um, some of the articles are a little outdated just because it was written over 100 years ago, an article like this is, is obviously going to still have a lot of good information. I'm going to have a link to St. Augustine's Confessions, which uh, again is his autobiography. And so that way you can hear about his conversion in his own words. After the Bible, this is the most well-known, quoted, and referenced work in all of Christian history. And, fun fact, it is the first autobiography ever written. Now, because it was written in the 4th century, it is public domain, so you can find free versions out there, uh, including free English translations. But the one that I link to in the show notes is, in my opinion, the best translation. That's the one by Frank Sheed. It's really hard when you're translating from Latin to capture both the technical accuracy of the language and also the poetic beauty of the way that Augustine writes. Of all the translations I've ever read of this book, this one's the best. So I would encourage you, if you're looking to read the Confessions for realsies, make sure you get Frank Sheed's translation. I'm going to have a link to a, an article on St. Peter Martyr from the Dominican Friars Foundation, as well as an article from New Liturgical Movement about Blessed Carino. I'm linking to an EWTN article about St. Moses and another article about him from the Fellowship of Moses the Black. I'll have a link to a book called The Sayings of the Desert Fathers, which is a collection of stories about the Desert Fathers, uh, and it does include some sayings of St. Moses so you can hear his own words. I'll have an article from the National Catholic Register about Blessed Bartolo Longo, and finally, an article about a saint we didn't talk about today, but who would have fit the bill. I was worried this episode was going to run long, so I didn't include her. I'm looking at it now, I probably could have. Um, but it's an article about St. Mary of Egypt, who just, again, an incredible saint from the early period of the church, uh, this incredible example of conversion. That's going to do it for today's episode of Bonus Points. Remember to subscribe and share the show with somebody. 
And you can visit our website at bonuspointspodcast.com. If you have an idea for a future episode or a topic you'd like to see covered, make sure you check it out. Until next time, I'm Mr. Astle. Thank you for joining us once again as we continue every episode to put out into the deep, exploring the world of theology and beyond.